Welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and the fraud that impacts people and businesses. I'm Eva Velasquez, the CEO of the ITRC, and thank you for joining us today. For nearly 20 years, the ITRC has published reports about the impact of identity crimes on people. In 2005, we started publishing information about data breaches and the link to identity crimes. Last year, we published our first report on how identity crimes and cyber attacks impact small businesses and solopreneurs. But there's one set of data that we've never shared, data collected directly from the victims of identity crimes we talk to every day. Add to that the people who call us seeking to avoid becoming victims of identity fraud or theft. And that is, we've never shared this information publicly until now. This week, the ITRC published its first Trends in Identity report that takes a look at identity crimes and victim concerns based on the stories, anonymous information, that we hear every day. In 2020, we identified a dramatic rise in unemployment fraud based on the number of people calling us each day, from fewer than 20 calls in all of 2019 to more than 20 per day in 2020. We saw a wave of benefit fraud weeks before the problem emerged in the national media. In 2021, we noticed another wave, a wave of another kind, a scandemic, if you will. Again, this is from the same source, the victims of these crimes, telling us their stories in their own words in the hopes of getting help in restoring their identities and their lives to some form or fashion of normal. We realized there was real value in being that early warning system, the, the proverbial canary in the coal mine. It's to help consumers, businesses, institutions, and policymakers have this information that they need to respond to changes in identity crimes. Here to talk about what's in our first ever Trends in Identity Report is the ITRC's Chief Victim Officer, Mona Terry. Thanks for joining me, Mona. Thank you for having me. Long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, interesting title, Chief Victim Officer. Um, what exactly does that mean and why is it a fitting title for what you do with the ITRC? I think that chief victims officer, my role really is to um, make sure that we are, are remaining victim centric. I think as an organization that is who we are, we are a victim centric organization, but really I think embracing that not only internally, but letting people know externally as well that, that this is important to us. I think, you know, for me, overseeing victim services, you know, the advice that we give, the um, help that, that is um, given to the victims directly, making sure we're trauma-informed, making sure that um, we're here to serve as just a, a resource in all the different ways we can to victims of identity thefts and all identity crimes is so important. I think this title um, really kind of helps us embrace that um, internally and externally. So a, a fitting title for someone that um, is talking with and seeing what's happening on the front lines with victims every day. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the what. And at the risk of sounding um, like Simon Sinek, you know, what's your why? Um, what is, the, what is your, your purpose and the purpose of a chief victim officer? And why do you feel it's important that we do this type of work? For me personally, again, I, I, the victimization here with, with victims of identity thefts and identity crimes, I think it's just, it's something that people don't realize how impactful it is until it happens to them. 
And so I think where um, people feel lost, they feel alone, they feel like um, it's not something that people talk about a lot. And so I think um, people feel a lot of shame and guilt around being victimized as a victim of identity theft. And I feel it's so personal. People feel so strongly about their identity and who they are as an individual and to have that violated um, just feels like a very personal attack. And I think um, being here to help victims through this process, you know, whether it's um, impacting them financially, emotionally, um, it impacts their relationships, I think kind of being able to address all of those facets um, to me is my why. It's why I do what I do. You know, you and I have had many, many conversations about um, the the fact that people don't talk enough about this and how and how personal they feel when it happens. So, to that end, let's talk about the trends and identity report. What uh, we had previously called the mythical Mona report because it was a concept, and you were really the driving force behind it. Um, so, why did you think it was important to have the report? issued and to share this data? We've talked a lot internally um, about the victimization and and what it means and and what we're seeing. And I think, you know, when I would have conversations with people outside of the ITRC, um, there was always a lot of interest. People go, oh, I had no idea. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, what is it that you're seeing again? Um, And so I felt like, gosh, you know, there's so much interest in just me having these one-on-one conversations. Um, I think we should share this information kind of um, nationwide and and put it out there because um, we are hearing directly from victims about what's happening to them. And we have a way to to share that with everyone else and all the other stakeholders um, so they see what's happening as well. And I think it um, kind of serves this dual purpose of letting other victims of identity theft know that they're not alone, um, but also letting other stakeholders know, hey, this is the problem as as victims are telling us, and this is what's happening um, now. And, and, you know, here are some ways that we can work together maybe um, to help address these issues. Well, and, and how to properly allocate resources towards any, you know, particular issue. I know that when you and I share what we're seeing out there with the the public it, to your point earlier about, Oh, I did, that's so interesting. I didn't know that was happening. Um, the only way to resolve a problem is, you know, first to identify it. And so when we, I know when we share these, these trends and what we're seeing, it does let businesses and government agencies know that this is where they need to put some, some resources and the, you know, the report is it's, it's available. It has been published and uh, I, we won't go into detail about the key findings. That's all in the report. And dear listeners, you can read the full report. But Mona, I want to know from you, what jumped out at you first when you were analyzing the data? What was that thing that you were, even you, seeing, you know, living this and breathing it, seeing it every day that you were like, huh, I did not see that coming. Uh, for me, it, it was the, the new accounts being established. I think we saw a lot of account takeover um, both financial accounts, we saw a huge jump in social media account takeover. I mean, over a thousand percent. But something else when I was looking at the data was just the new uh, financial accounts being established. Because um, to me, that's scary. That's someone now has uh, a victim's name, it has a social security number, um, lots of other different pieces of PII. And that's scary. <laughs> 
And then they're going around and opening accounts that, that these victims may or may not be aware of. Um, that was that was uh, very eye-opening for me. You know, and what did you think about the the increase in um, the IRS, the, the fraudulent tax filings? I know we've been in this space for many, many years, more than I want to mention. And that was a huge problem back in like, oh, 20, you know, 13, 2014. And I think we thought we had a handle on it. And the next thing we know, this is becoming um, one of the issues that we're seeing again. We saw a 32% increase. That's not a good thing. Um, what did you think when you saw that? Did it feel like, oh, what's what's old is new again? Yeah, I feel like a lot of this stuff is very cyclical. And I feel like, you know, it'll fall off the radar for a while and, and, and we'll find a way to address it. And, and we don't hear a lot from victims that this is occurring. And then all of a sudden, um, with scams, we see it with the fraudulent filed taxes. Um, yeah, it, it, like you said, what is old is, is new again. Um, and the, the I guess the one positive side to that is because we've addressed it in the past before, um, we know how to tackle it now when we are, we can help victims through this again. We have, a, we have meetings every morning where we talk about what is happening real time. Um, what is that? What's going on right now in the, in the contact center? Um, kind of following the the trend with the with the the trends identity report is that social media account takeover um, that is still very very prevalent. Um, we're still hearing a lot about social media accounts being taken over, um, and then scams related to social media account takeover. Um, so uh, scams for for investments in, in cryptocurrency. Um, a lot of you know, hey, help me out, friend, and click on this link. Um, um, you know, I need you to vote on something for me. Um, that's huge. And then uh, the Google Voice scam, uh, where people are, are trying to sell things on a social media marketplace, um, and they're um, being a, a victim of of the Google Voice scam. You know, you it was interesting. You said, "Help me out, friend." And so, what we're seeing in the in the contact center is more around social engineering and less around these sophisticated sort of technical attacks, right? Yeah. So I think that that has been the biggest shift, I think, where um, it's still happening. And we see, you know, we definitely see thieves and criminals out there trying to hack databases. Um, A lot of this now is they're targeting people. um, And they're doing so by um, saying either we can, um, they're either targeting people by trying to get to them where they're trying to make money. So with social media accounts, um, a lot of times people are um, using their social media platforms as a secondary source of income or even a primary source of income. Um, and so they, they realize that. And so the scammers are flocking over there um, and they're having, for example, with a Bitcoin scam, um, they're having their victims record a video saying how successful they are in order to take advantage of this Bitcoin opportunity, which isn't an opportunity. And now their entire group of followers is seeing someone that they know um, say how this opportunity was successful and it just keeps perpetuating itself. Um, and so I think it's a shame that, you know, people are, are, are doing this to legitimately, you know, earn income um, and then are turning around and, and having their information compromised. It, it kind of flies in the face. I know a lot of times um, when we talk about social media scams, there's this public perception that, well, I mean, it's social media. So you didn't have access to something that was for your entertainment or enjoyment. But you're saying that that's not always the case, that in a lot of 
the cases that at least that we're seeing, um, there's people's livelihood can be jeopardized. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are definitely on social media platforms and scrolling through and looking at things for pleasure, but a lot of people are doing it. Um, yeah, like you like you said, for a source of income. And it does impact their livelihood. And they feel very strongly about it when, when they're contacting the contact center. Um, you know, people are very adamant that they need their their account back because it has so much of their history and it is directly tied to their income. Um, so they feel, feel very, very strongly and very, very violated um, about the fact that, that their account has been taken over. Well, and they can't necessarily get in touch with the platform themselves because that's just not a part of their their customer service model. I know in some ways we feel like our contact center has become an extension of many of these organizations, um, customer service offerings, because there simply aren't enough resources from these companies in that area. Folks, they can't get in touch with anybody. So what do they do? They come to us. They do. And, and they, and they want to talk to someone. I mean, a lot of what we're doing is we're walking through um, the steps that are available online, um, but that's not enough. They want more. They want to talk to someone. They want someone to walk them through that process. Um, and they want to know what they can expect and how soon they can they expect some kind of resolution. And, um, you know, I wish we had those answers, but we don't. All we can do is go, hey, we're here for you um, to help walk you through, you know, what information you may have shared and how to protect that. But as far as, you know, account recovery, um, we there's only so much we can do. But it is amazing how important sometimes just that um, feeling heard can be, uh, and, and how much people need to know, um, when they tell us that something just, you know, they're just like, this just sucks. And, and just having someone go, yeah, it really does. And I'm sorry, you're experiencing that. Um, it can, it can help people to focus on the hard work in front of them and not the emotional reaction. At least that's, um, that's my experience in dealing with victims. I'm sure you've had a similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it sucks and it's terrible and you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. The you're not alone piece. And boy, they're not alone with these <laughs> trends that we're seeing in the report. They are not alone. We're seeing a lot of that. So, you know, it's time for us. The time has just flown by. It is time for us to, to wrap up. Is there anything else in the report? Um, maybe that most, uh, you already talked about the the new account, but was there any like most surprising response or data point that you want to share before we call it a wrap? Um, no, I, I really think it was just the new accounts on social media account takeover and um, just making sure that, you know, we, we always ask people to stay vigilant, but I think that's um, kind of the most important takeaway is really, you know, if, if your radar is going off and it sounds too good to be true or something just seems a little bit off, always better to double check um, and, and protect your information. And go to the source and know that you're not alone. Well, thank you, Mona, for this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me on. You can download a copy of the ITRC's first Trends and Identity Report at our website, idtheftcenter.org forward slash publications. And if you think you've been a victim of an identity crime or want to avoid becoming a victim, you can speak with an ITRC expert advisor on the phone. You can chat live on the web. You can send us an email during our normal business hours. I mean, we're working on uh, having carrier pigeons and smoke signals. That's uh, not here yet, but coming soon. And you can just visit us at our new website, 
idtheftcenter.org to get started. Be sure to join us next week on our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown. Until then, thanks for listening.